Welcome to the What We Talked About in Class podcast, brought to you from the campus of Johnston Community College in Smithfield, North Carolina, underwritten by Anchor, where everyone can make a podcast for free. All right, David, we're recording. This is Ryan Bradshaw with uh, Johnston Community College in Smithfield, North Carolina, and today I have my good friend, the David Oliver, joining in to talk to us about all kinds of wonderful things. So how are you, David? Doing well, thank you. Enjoying my Friday. You know, I appreciate you taking time to talk to us today. Um, This whole podcast idea, you know, it started a couple years ago as a way to connect with online students, but it's more than that. It's it's a way just to connect with each other, you know, because... Um, I actually shared the podcast that I recorded with Matthew, another one of our colleagues, and I got so much good feedback off of that. And people reached out to me and said, you know, I listened to it. I enjoyed it. And I learned things about you and Matthew that I didn't know. And so it's just a good way to talk to people. And since people are kind of separated, but the pandemic has has kept people more in the house. And this is just another way to to connect. And like I said, I originally started it as a way to connect with my online students because I felt like. I've got 80% of my students that are in an online classroom and they're not getting that same type of experience that we have in the classroom where we have vibrant stories and just fun, fun, like extemporaneous moments that happen. And so I wanted to capture some of that and, and share it with the, not just my students, but the world. So, so I'm, I'm grateful that you're here to, to share a little bit of your, your light and joy. Cause I gotta tell you, you know, I've, everybody makes an impression on you. Right. And so when I, when I got to meet you, I just I was just impressed by how detail oriented you are, and how upbeat you are, and and excited to 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 jump into these programs and to and to get things going. So, the what I want to start with is just tell me a little bit about your background. Tell me about yourself. Uh, okay, I've been teaching at JCC for over twenty, almost twenty five now. Wow. Uh, started the started the Cisco Academy at JCC, uh, which is probably one of the first ones that's been in the continuance for over 20 years uh, started teaching electronics originally uh, at JCC and then they came to me and said hey we want to start this networking program we got a we've heard about the Cisco Academy we want you to go take training become certified and then take over Wow uh, and got a grant we started uh, the following year we started uh, the Cisco Networking Academy, and we started Internet Technologies, so similar to our digital media right. uh, so program that's starting up in the fall. I'm going to go back earlier. You know, I'm going to I'm going to mm-hmm. I'm going to dig deeper now. What part of the world do you come from originally? Like, what, what do you call home? Or where do you? Call uh, home? I call North. Well, originally born in Biloxi, Mississippi. My okay. dad was uh, Air Force. Yes, sir. And I am one of two of the kids that were actually born in the United States. My older sister was born in Constantinople, Izmir, Turkey. Oh, yeah. And my older brother was born in Okinawa, which I cannot pronounce the name of the town. He was in, but it's about as long as my arm. <laughs> uh, he's, he's the eldest of us all. He's, uh, in fact, he just turned 60 this year, 63 this year. And I have a younger sister that was born right down the road at Port Air Force Base. Okay. So I was born in Biloxi. Uh, at Keesler Air Force Base. I love um, it. My, my good friend, it, my roommate in college uh, was stationed at Keesler. He was Air Force. And beautiful place. Um, and then moved back up here. The family 
my mother and dad's family uh, actually grew up in Harnett County. So we moved back to Harnett County. They purchased property from my parent, my grandparents and grew up on a farm there, uh, went to regular public school, had a fun time, and then went over to Campbell University, got my degree in chemistry. Wow. Loved it. Um, and it was funny. There were, I was one of three graduates in chemistry. So that's how many, you know, big college, big university, uh, tutored half of the pharmacy department, where our students that were going for the pharmacy degree, I should say, proper there. And then uh, went into education because I went looking for chemistry jobs. And they were there, but everybody was under affirmative action because the job market was really flooded um, with, you know, Caucasian males. Right. So everybody was trying to find, you know, other venues. I got into education. And uh, right after I went through my military education, because I was an ROTC scholarship recipient, so I had to you know, pay my time for Uncle Sam. And I got into reserve units here in North Carolina, started with uh, Fort Bragg and uh, got a little bit of a mini deployment to Fort McClellan, Alabama, and then Fort Benning, Georgia. Um, I had a short, short, short uh, deployment working with the Puerto Rican National Guard at Fort Bragg, which it was was loads of fun. And then when I kept got through with those, I came back to North Carolina. Well, came back home and got into education. Started teaching in private schools. Um, teaching first starting off teaching fifth grade of all things, which I never thought I would have did would have done when I was going through college. And still huh. wonder what, what was I thinking at that time. Right. How long did you do the fifth grades? Uh, I did fifth grade for a year, and then I also alternated, well, assisted with teaching preschool, three and a half to four-year-olds. Wow. Now, what, I mean, I guess at that age level, you're just teaching general education, a little bit of everything, right? Right, right. Right, And it was a union school, so you had everybody from preschool all the way up to 12th grade, relatively the same campus. Um, Then I started teaching high school science the next year. And transferred to uh, move to Fayetteville and started teaching at another private school, uh, Northwood Temple Academy. Uh, absolutely loved the headmaster and, and the people I was working with. Made some great lifelong friends. And I was teaching at a different preschool part time. Left from there, well, I was te- while I was teaching there, I got approached by uh, <clears throat> one of the parents. It's like, hey, would you like to teach for my college? Uh, part-time, just teaching nights. <gasps> Excuse me, yes. So I started teaching for Fayetteville Tech okay. in their Con Ed program, teaching introduction to Windows 95, Windows 98, and some of the, the office products. And then another parent came to me and said, hey, uh, heard some good news about you. We'd like for you to teach for us, but a little bit more uh, stringent pace. We want you to teach some curriculum classes at night because uh, you got this computer programming background that you got in college and Uncle Sam and started teaching for Blaine Community College a couple of nights a week. Okay. Because private schools do not pay well. And I was newlywed and my wife also worked for private schools. So between uh, working part time for three different schools, two of them being colleges, full time for a private school and Uncle Sam. Um, I started looking into teaching for the state. And what year is this, approximately? Uh, 
This is uh, getting into 97, 98. Uh, I applied for a state school position in Harney County, the Harney County Alternative School. Um, I had an interview with the assistant superintendent the next day. So I I knew that uh, it was a good thing. Went in and I was teaching high school science at the alternative school right beside the annex taught there and then the following year i got a phone call from four relatives who live in johnston county saying hey uh jcc has some uh at the term there was a specialized uh position that the college instructors would go to the high schools and teach the college courses at the high school but be the quote-unquote property of the college called huskinsville classes and it's similar to the reverse today of our CCP program. So we would go to the colleges, or we would go to the high schools, okay. teach classes at high schools. Students would get college credit and high school credit. And I went into interview for that. And as I was interviewing for that, the head of the interview committee, which which Mr. Bobby Phillips, said, I need for you to talk to this person before you leave. And I had just come off of, I was literally, I'd left Fort Jackson, South Carolina on military duty at 1 p.m. I was at JCC interviewing at 4 p.m. Huh. Still in uniform. As I said, I won't have time to change. I'm coming. Right. Coming from the field. I'm, I'm in uniform, but I guarantee I'll leave my weapons there at the unit. Came up, interviewed, and then uh, went over. I got an impromptu interview with another department. It was not an interview committee. It was, but it was a uh, interview committee per se. And the person that was in charge of that program, Ms. Donna Shoemate, was teaching electronics, and she gave they they actually gave me an interview that I didn't know because they had an open position. And the next, uh, let me see, I got through with everything. Left the college at five p.m. I got a call at eight p.m. Wow! The same night saying, hey, I know you applied for this Huskinsville class, but would you rather teach full-time electronics? And yes or yes or three bags full. I was ready for that. And came back, to finish, had to drive the next morning. I left out at 3 a.m., had to drive all the way back to Fort Jackson to get there at 6 o'clock, do PT, finish out my duty, uh, submitted my letter of resignation to Harnett County Schools, and started up in August teaching electronics full-time. So, and I guess my question is, because uh, I, I listened to your story, but so where did your credentials come from for computer science or electronics or information tech? Because um, I know you said you studied uh, chemistry, so how did that come into to the fold? The electronics came from, I had several courses in high school, but military, one of my additional classes that I, well, several classes that I took, um, my original military occupational specialty was supposed to be military police. Gotcha. And the Army was trying this ex- uh, experimental program to cross-train anybody that was military police with explosive ordnance. So I actually went to uh, a portion of the EOD school, which all which was all electronics, electronics theory. Uh, plus, I had several computer science classes and then on top of that, I'd self-taught and taken certifications. So I walked into JCC, you know, when someone asked for your credentials, I was like, okay, here's my degree, and then here's my certifications that I've got. And when you have 
uh, certain ones from CET or um, the Department of, of uh, Education certified classes that the Army gives uh-huh. from their classes. And plus the experience of three years of playing around with things that go boom. Right. And <laughs> and having all of my appendages intact. The uh, And during that time, you know, Desert Storm is, is waning down from 91 and 92. But a lot of those folks got out of the military, so there was a vacuum. Uh, so they wanted people getting trained, certified, and they put a lot of, the Army put a lot of, of instructors out there in instructor schools. So I got a chance to play around with them. Uh, on the IT side, all the schools that I had been teaching with, uh, the private schools, they had been paying for me to take classes while uh, I was also teaching for them. So I would go to Fayetteville Tech, I would teach class A while teaching class A, I would take class B, C, and D. So I was actually earning oh, cool. credits in other classes because they would. You know, it was one of the, the nice little trade-offs. Um, the... Cisco Academy, they actually sent, JCC actually sent me off to that along with Frank Casanova uh, to the Cisco Academy. They trained us up, got us certified as instructors. Uh, and then Frank got pulled into CIS 110, became the chief instructor there. Excuse me. And our Cisco Academy, you know, we've had some ups and downs, some growth spurts and, and what have you, but um, I've maintained it and gotten other classes, other certifications. And then Uncle Sam was really good about if you want to take a class, we'll let you take the class. That's good. I've enjoyed that part. Yes, sir. So um, you said you've been here 22 years now, so you've seen quite a bit of change over the decades, you know. And so oh, yes. I, I'm sure you could speak to and tell our students and listeners that change is just a part of any system, and you've got to be – in fact, I think on my resume or my Vita – uh, one of the top credentials I put in, in in my hard skills is highly adaptable to a changing work environment. And if you've got to be. You've just got to be in this work environment. And if you're not able to, and especially in your field, I mean, you deal with networking, IT, cybersecurity, those types of fields. So talk to me about how that environment has just changed dramatically, I know, in the past five, ten years. Oh, uh, dramatically is an understatement. Right. Um, the, the one of the big things that I've watched, uh, especially in the banking industry, because we have a lot. I keep I try to keep up with as many graduates as I can, either by Facebook, social media, LinkedIn, or, or just you know where they're working right. at, how they're doing. And one of the big things that has changed is if you would have gone back ten years ago, most of the students that were getting hired, they were getting hired by corporations to be the IT person, or they were getting hired by. Uh, smaller offices like medical or doctor's offices, insurance companies, lawyers' offices to, hey, make me a web presence. You know, that do my do part of my advertising, uh, run my network and make sure that we don't get bugs. Right. And then train us on how to use our computers. And that was great when the students, some would go on to larger, bigger things such as government uh, work or large corporations. And then within the last uh, about six years, uh, after I came back from Afghanistan in 2013, the number of banks jumping into needing our students and our graduates has been phenomenal um, because a lot of a lot of companies it was cheaper to outsource their tech support and their documentation 
and to overseas because there's there are very few trade laws for hours and employment overseas and then they realized it's not as good of a job and you don't have an investment in it right um if, if you if you have a contractor that contractor's just like i'm just here to do the contract and going on my merry way right they don't Whereas, it's about like trying to get a warranty claim with uh a, a, a provider you know we we bought a we got a fridge recently didn't work and we were trying to go through the warranty process and it's just like you said they don't care you know they're like look i'm going to talk to you i'm going to then i'm going to talk to the next person i don't care but if you've got somebody in house that person you can look them in the eyes and there's an accountability there that you just don't get from a service provider i'm sorry to interrupt but that's that that led me to that you named it you nailed it right on the head and so a lot of the banks were moving their tech support back to the united states and a lot of banks have uh, headquarters here in North Carolina. You got uh, PNC Bank, BBNT, which are now Truist. You got uh, First Citizens. You got State Employees Credit Union. So all those banks were start, a lot of them started actually going to the community colleges and saying, "Hey, we need folks to for these, and you train people for this." Um, we employed in one year. Uh, we employed seven graduates and one student who was not a graduate. Um, to what is now Truist Bank, and all of them, every one of them, was put to work within five days. Wow. And I kept up with them during COVID. It's like, okay, so how are you doing? She said, well, I'm working from home. Um, <laughs> I'm it's, it's, it's pretty fun that the cat gets with me on the Zoom meetings, and I'm loving it. Uh, several of them have gone on to uh, get their master's degrees, and I was very happy for them for that. Uh, some have gone on to other organizations. I had one that was working for um, or JCC's IT department for a while. Then, uh, then he moved on to took a internship at Griffles. Okay. Then then worked at Griffles for a short time. Got hired on by now Truist Bank. It was BB&T at the time. He's worked on his bachelor's, finished it, master's, finished it, and he just left. Um, Truist Bank as a cybersecurity specialist he is now working for Toyota uh, Incorporated wow. as one of their uh, he is high up in the cybersecurity side and he'll be working from home but his office is in Texas but he's huh. living in Clayton huh. Huh. so, so. Yeah, you've already kind of alluded to some of this stuff but uh, and some of the job titles that students that go now so just for the listeners your programs in- encapsulate information technology Cybersecurity, and is there one more? Uh, well, the the digital media. I don't know if it's going to come underneath us. Right. Digital media technology. But I, I think it's we, I think it's a separate animal. That's why I was asking. But right. so so information tech and cybersecurity. What what kind of jobs or job titles are the students that graduate from your programs getting? And also, second question with that is, what kind of incomes are you seeing some of these students get? Because I reason I asked, I talked to Bob Hildebrand before you this morning and. He was saying that you know, these truck drivers that graduate after you know their, their program are getting you know fifty fifty five thousand dollars to start, and I had a student that I was on a, a mock interview for when I was at a, a different school with a different school, and and they got hired right out of the gate in the triangle making like sixty five seventy thousand dollars. I was like, holy cow! So I guess what type of job titles and what type of income can students kind of expect uh, going through your programs? So. 
a lot depends on if they come in with experience or if they can get in an internship or co-op to get that experience because that always jumps you up a lot, maybe as much as ten to twenty thousand dollars yearly salary. Um, We have got uh, students in the last year. We had a lot to go directly into four years. So the previous year and those that graduated in between, like in the December graduation, we only had a few. But a lot of them are doing tech support positions, uh, namely starting off with help desk. And the reason a lot of jobs start you off with help desk is so that you learn uh, the interpersonal skills because you have to deal with the customer uh, and you have to deal with management. And one of the big things there is is just getting your, your beat in the door working with people if you're a super introvert you still have to talk with people <laughs> yeah. um, and, and still the other part is is that you're learning the system and, and system with that as you move up there we've got pc technicians and everybody his brother is needing those right uh, from jcc's it department from the county offices to schools to uh, there are several companies believe it or not in, in like pine level uh clayton done uh, that have you know on-call pc technicians they go out and i'm not saying like geek squad which is a corporate level but we're talking about smaller agencies that support and those pc technicians can make anywhere between say thirty-five thousand uh, a year to seventy thousand a year it all wow. depends on who they're working for sure um, the network engineers, the folks that go on, uh, or network associates would be a better term to start with. Uh, these are the students that got their networking, love it, want to do work in it. Most of them are getting hired either by Cisco uh, or they're contracting with a company at Cisco, Tech Systems, and a few others. And if they've got their, go ahead and get their certification test. So if they now have an industry credential on top of their degree. They're usually starting at 65 all the way up to 95. Wow. That's incredible. We had we, we had a student that graduated about three years ago who's coming back taking the cybersecurity side because he wants to, to grow himself there. Um, he left our program. He had one Linux credential, uh, industry credential, with his degree. No, 4.0 student. And Cisco corporate grabbed him up and offered him 90 to start wow uh and they were going to put him in government contracting uh and support which i researched he's like i got no idea how much base i researched for him and that one is usually starting at 115. wow so in the banks, all the the, uh, the banks that hired the students a few years ago, they started everybody off at over 65. I had a student that went from uh, being on uh, welfare and full scholarship ride while he was going here to the college. Uh, his wife was working at one of the retail stores up at the Pottery. Turns right around and after less than six months of him starting the job with the bank, he, he uh, bought him a new house bought a new car his wife quit her job he's working from home and she's perfectly happy to go back to school without financial aid wow so you know and that's it's so awesome that you talk about this stuff because this is the same type of stuff i was talking about this morning with bob is that we're talking about life-changing opportunities here you know i mean if you're making that kind of money you're firmly in the middle class and for some of our younger students, that might not, I mean, th- th- these topics might not resonate 
But as you get older and realize how expensive it is to live and how money is really just a function of what it takes to survive in modern in the modern world. I mean, you need money for food, you need money for transportation, you need money for housing. And so like money is the ultimate survival tool, you know, of the modern era. And I told Bob this morning, I said, you know, money doesn't buy happiness, but it sure helps, you know, uh, because if you don't have any, well, if you don't have any, you live under this existential crisis of where's the next meal coming from? What, you know, are they going to turn my lights on? Is my, am I going to lose my house? Am I going to lose my car? And uh, I work part-time with a group called Society of St. Andrew, um, which is inhunger.org if you're interested. But what that group does is we capture uh, overstocked produce and food that's left in the fields. And I've learned so much about the food system in the past three years I've worked with them. Roughly 40%, uh, close to half of our food we produce is thrown away. And so there's a, it's not a food it's not a food problem. It's a logistics problem of how do we capture that and get it to the communities in need because I've gone out to fields every year since and there'll be thousands of pounds of food, but I just don't have the volunteers to go get it. And for the farmer, the crops are not in a cosmetic shape to sell at a market, so they just have to leave it in the field and let it rot because it's not economically viable to recover. And so, yeah, that, a lot of people don't know stuff like that. So the point being is that uh, in our country, we have uh, food insecurity and we have these poverty-related issues. And programs like yours give people the opportunity to bootstrap themselves up and go from, like you said, your student, being on welfare to buying a new house just in the matter of months, you know. And so, I mean, the community college, this is part of a bigger conversation that I've had with with Brian, our boss, Brian Worley. Uh, shout out to Brian if you're listening. I hope you're doing well. But, you know, this is a bigger conversation that the community college, uh, Johnston Community College in particular, is just such a hidden gem right here in the middle of Johnston community because you have people in this community that have lived here their entire life and never stepped foot on this campus and seen the tremendous resources we have available. I mean, just walking into your computer lab, there is literally tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars of equipment in there that these students can have access to for nickels. You know, I mean, like they, they, they could get financial aid or have very little out-of-pocket costs, and they can come in here and take advantage of these community resources and get the skills they need to enter the market marketplace uh, making, you know, fifty, seventy-five, ninety thousand dollars $90,000 a year. That is just beautiful. And and what it does, and I'll get off my soapbox in just a second, but it not only elevates the students, but it elevates their family, everybody connected to them, and it actually elevates the entire community because that student now is going to be buying that house that helps that real estate broker earn a living. They're going to be buying insurance and power and groceries and all the other things that go with it, and that's what helps our economic engine keep turning. And so... I think that we're doing noble work here at the community college. And talk to me about um, what do you think uh, your most popular programs are? Is it do people more, lean more toward the IT side or the cybersecurity side? Well, we've only really had the cybersecurity uh, curriculum concentration in place since uh, August. So the explosion there. It's really taken off. In fact, we almost doubled our number of students. Wow. And the we redid some of our uh, diploma because in education you have certificate, diploma, then degree. 
and we redid some of our certificates because the employers got with us. We have a very large advisory committee of some 25 different organizations rounded about in the community, not only in Johnston County, but also in uh, some in Harney County, some in the edge of Sampson County, Wilson, uh, all the way up into Wake. So I hope Wake Community College doesn't get mad at me about that. <laughs> but they started, they started, it, you know, the, the students and the organization started here and then they have grown exponentially there. Um, and a lot of them were started by students. For example, the IT department over at South River uh, Electric Co-op there in Dunn, their IT staff for all products of the community college system that went on to do greater and bigger things. And South River is now encompassing, I want to say, two or three counties, uh, if not four. And their IT stretches beyond that. So not just computers, but also cell phones and the Internet service providers. Uh, we have one of our previous graduates went on to ECU, got his degree, and he's now over working for Cengage. He's handling part of their their IT department. We have others that have gone on to Amazon and Google, LinkedIn. Right. So it's, you know, it's really changed and grown. As you were talking about that, it made me think of this thing that happened in a movie. Um, you ever seen Gladiator with Russell Crowe? Yes, so there's a lot of great quotes in that movie, but the one that stood out while you were talking is that what we do in life echoes in eternity. And yes. the things that you have done with your program and your teaching, they are echoing throughout this region. And you're touching these students like at a, at a first level basis when you interact and educate them. But that echoes to their families, their children, their grandchildren. And it if you can change that one generation, you can change the entire family history of that individual and bring people out of poverty. In fact, one of the reasons I'm in education is because our society, every society has problems, but our society has several problems. And I believe that education, uh, it's not a panacea. It doesn't fix everything, but it addresses all of those problems in some way, you know, like... Healthcare is an issue. Well, guess what? People with education live longer. That's just the stats line up with that. They have greater access to income and access to healthcare. So focus on education. That helps with the healthcare piece. Poverty, big problem, been going on for generations. Guess what? People with educations are able to bring themselves out of poverty more often than not. So yeah, education is such an important thing and uh, you don't, you know, if you, there's another quote that stands out to me. If, if you think education is expensive, try ignorance because it is extremely expensive to be ignorant because you find out that I need these things. I don't have access to these things and I don't have the education or means to access them because I don't have the education. And so uh, one example is, you know, somebody trying to find a job to raise themselves out of poverty and they can't even apply for certain jobs because they don't meet the minimum bar to have any type of credential, whether it's a certificate, diploma, or associate degree. And so you've automatically alienated yourself from accessing you know, that, that, that opportunity. And so United States is one of those countries where you really do have opportunities to, to elevate yourself. And education is, is just such a tremendous asset for all of us. Well, uh, David, we're at the 30 minute mark. So I wanted to ask you in closing, what advice would you offer your students or any student for success? So what kind of feedback would you offer to students? Uh, number one, don't be afraid to try new things. Number two, 
don't be afraid to fail. Uh, the first time that you tried to walk when you were crawling, you didn't just stop doing it. You kept on attempting. We're going to fall several times. Uh, and, and that's one of the big things. You don't learn something new without trying something new. Right. Um, when I was overseas working in both Iraq and Afghanistan, um, I was always told, don't mess with the food, you'll get sick. And one of my best instances was a, uh, my counterpart actually took me out to eat with my seniors, gave, giving this kind of like a going away party, uh, closed down the restaurant, put guards around, we put guards around, and it was really for my bosses, but I was traveling along because I was also leaving at the same time. And the food, the camaraderie was great. Um, and I learned about their culture, learned about the people. But if I hadn't been, I had the choice when I actually took my deployment to Afghanistan, I could have said, no, I don't want to go because this other person can go. I went, I was on the list to go. And they said, well, we're going to have to change your job a couple of times. My job changed six times of what I thought I was going to do from the time that I got in the plane to go to Afghanistan to the time that I actually got into my job in Afghanistan. It changed six times. Wow. And the sixth time, I thought I was so underqualified, undereducated, no experience, and got in there. It's like, I'm going to go this with the best shot, and ended up that we set up uh, logistics camps, we set up logistics security, we set up a national command and control area for logistics for the entire country, uh, and, and you know, we did this in a year. That's excellent. And uh, it was, you know, I wouldn't, if you'd have told me that was going to be my job, I said, yeah, I'm going to go back to teaching in my classroom, <laughs> I'll be fine. Um, I may visit the American Business College or something if you want me to do that. Because uh, my primary job in the military at that point was I was working as a staff officer in charge of a, of a staff representing 1,800 people. Uh, my staff section had three people managing a battalion in Lumberton that would go down and be drill sergeants. Now, that was their job. It was a drill sergeant battalion. And being an educator on anti-terrorism and, and computers, IT, and then all of a sudden saying, hey, you're going you're gonna to go and set up this logistics organization nightmare in Afghanistan. And oh, we're going to let you write $3 million checks at a, at a whim if you need to, to get what you need. Wow. But if everything you spend, you have to, you know, you have to rationalize and you have to be able to defend. Oh, and by the way, you'll be talking once a week to four-star generals and congressmen at the Pentagon or at Congress over secure net explaining what you've done. I, I would have just, uh, you know, if I hadn't, if I hadn't tried, I would never known that I could have done that. You know, I bet that was a pretty cool experience though, being able to stroke a check and buy all new, the, the, the best equipment that you could possibly imagine. Right. Oh yeah. <laughs> it was, it was a weird feeling and scared to death. Cause I'm thinking, that is my taxpaying dollars at work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I, I know that it's still kind of like Christmas for you guys because even though you're working, you're still getting this all brand new equipment. It's got to be a cool experience, you know, and I know that was just oh, a, a great learning opportunity for you. And and you said it, and, and, you've, and students and listeners have probably heard a different way. Get out of your comfort zone, right? I mean, that's something that uh, we talk about all the time in business is that, 
Yeah, that's when you really grow, as, as, as our colleague Matthew Gargano would say, stretching yourself. And students, I highly encourage you to do that because when you get out of that comfort zone, that's when you learn new things, have new experiences, expand your credentials, expand your opportunities, and I think it will lead to a more fulfilling and full life. So, David Oliver, I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me today, my friend. And I'm going to put your email address in the show notes. So if students or listeners want to reach out and, and, and check in with you or ask questions, they can do that. But for now, I appreciate your time, my friend, and you have a great weekend, buddy. You too, sir. Thank you, David.